Hi, this is Chris Nessie from the House of EdTech podcast. Welcome to the Google Teacher Podcast Archive. I used to produce and edit the Google Teacher Podcast, hosted by Matt Miller and Casey Bell. You can enjoy the podcast once again, and be sure to visit the new website, chrisnessy.com slash googleteacherpod. Please note that any of the show note links mentioned in the episodes are no longer valid, but if you go to chrisnessy.com, dot com slash Google Teacher Pod, you can search the archive and check out the show notes for each and every episode of the Google Teacher Podcast. Thank you for your continued support, and may the Googles be with you. Hi, I'm Chris Nessie from the House of EdTech Podcast, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to right now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Hey, buddy. (laughs) Welcome to episode 90 of the Google Teacher Tribe podcast. We're back. Your source for the latest Google for Education news, tips, tricks, and ideas you can use in class tomorrow. I am Casey Bell from Shake Up Learning. And I am Matt Miller from Ditch That Textbook. And so Casey and I are done sunning ourselves by the pool and drinking fruity drinks and all of that stuff that <laughs> clearly is all that we've been doing for the last few months. Now, uh, we, are, we are, of course, super excited. Uh, to be back with you on episode 90. We still can't believe that we've we've had 90 episodes of the Google Teacher Tribe. And we have an awful lot of news today. Um, actually, it's been stuff that's been coming in throughout the summer. There have been so many changes to so many of the Google products that you know and love. So we're going to run down some of the things that you may have heard of, some of the things that may have slipped under the radar. We're going to catch you all up to date. There's lots and lots of good stuff stuff to cover. So, Casey, you ready to dig into this? Let's do it. Okay, y'all. Before we really dig into all of the fabulous updates that happened over the summer that you need to know about, Matt and I have kind of some big news right. to share. I think I'm really proud of this. Not only did we make it to episode 90, which I'm I'm still, you know, kind of we're in season four. It felt really weird writing that in my new folder in Google Drive, but we were episode 90. And guess what? We are at almost 1 million downloads. One million. One million downloads. That's crazy. I mean, you start to do the math on that. And over all of these years, by the number of episodes and everything, it's like my my brain is kind of doing that, you know, that gif where the, the guy's staring off and there's all of the mathematical equations going around his head. That's kind of how I feel with this. You feel you feel like a, a gif right now? <laughs> if that's the way you want to say it, then yes, that's how I feel. I don't know if I can say it, but I'll let you say it. <laughs> well, we're we're pretty excited and we hope you are as excited as we are. This is a really big milestone for podcasters and we hope that you will help us celebrate this. There's a chance that this episode might actually be the episode that puts us at 1 million. So, by listening, you are helping us reach our goal. Woo-hoo, yes, that's right. 
So one of the biggest updates that we have to celebrate that happened this summer happened in our favorite application, Google Classroom. So we have tons of information to share with you. And I'm sure many of you came back to school and you logged in. And you're like, oh, what's this? What's all this new? This, this new tab has appeared. And we now have that fourth tab across the top called grades. And so Google has worked really hard to improve the grading and grade flow and grade book functionality inside Google Classroom. So it started out in beta. They were testing it last year, but it is now officially part of Google Classroom. So if you click on that grades tab, you will see a grid view of your grade book and you'll be able to click on assignments from there. You'll be able to see, you know, what grades are missing. You'll be able to plug in those grades if you like. And of course, one of the other things that Google has been working really hard to do is to sync that grade book with your student information system. Now, that is dependent on your school and what system they use, if it's compatible, and if your school is buying into this and making this work for you. So if you don't know, that's a good question to ask and to start talking to your tech people if this is going to be a reality. So I know that most of the teachers that I've worked with in the past Mm -hmm. weren't really keeping grades in Google Classroom because they were having to duplicate efforts. So they were having to put their grades in um, their regular online grade book or their paper grade book or whatever they keep and putting it in Google Classroom just really didn't make sense. So I think we're getting closer to bridging that gap with the new gradebook functionality. If you are using it, we'd love to hear from you. Do you like it? Does it work? Are you syncing? What's happening? So, you know, be sure that you go to googleteachertribe.com yeah. and share Casey with and us how it's working for you. I didn't talk about this, but you. I was about to do the exact same thing. I'm super curious to hear um, if you're using it. And then also if you've got any tips, like something that you figured out that that helps helps it go smoothly or that is really working for you. So we'd love to love to hear from you there. So we've got Gradebook. Now we've also got a beta for a rubrics feature. And so Google Classroom has um, unveiled the beta. You know, the beta is kind of like a testing phase where we can try things out. Um, and this is one where whenever you're creating an assignment, we're going to have this option to add a rubric. And of course, the rubric is, you know, it's just one of those standard rubrics where you've got, you know, one, two, three or four points or, you know, however you want to um, categorize the points and we can put the criteria for each one. Um, now, in the past, I know a lot of us have uh, have used the the Gubric add-on to create a rubric, or maybe we've just attached an extra document, or you know whatever. Um, yeah, there have been lots of lots of kind of workarounds, and it seems like with some of the best workarounds, um, Google seems to figure out which ones people really love and then start to incorporate those in. Um, you know, for instance, I remember there was this one called G Class Folders years and years and years ago before Google Classroom that would let you sort your work into different folders. And, you know, after that, Google Classroom came along. And um, this just seems to be another one of those examples. So if you are wanting to be a little more transparent with the way that you're grading and how students can earn certain grades, now we're looking at this feature being eventually just baked right into Google Classroom. Now, since it's a beta, there is the ability to sign up for the beta. Um, we'll have a link in the show notes on how you can do that. Um, you know, it may be that they've already um, taken everybody in that that they want to, but um, you know, this is this is one of those things that that hopefully will be available to everybody in the near future. 
I really like that they're listening to teachers. I think that's one of the most powerful reasons that Google Classroom has had such success is they are building this to fit the needs of teachers and students. And I have a feeling that those little feedback that you're sending through the the little question mark in the bottom left, when you send that feedback to Google, they're reading it. And when you say you want a rubric, they're working on it. So be sure that you keep sending that feedback. The other big announcement that you've probably noticed because this pops up inside Google Classroom is when they first launched last year with the new classwork page and sort of split out the assignments from the stream, you had the option to kind of keep the old way. And you could remove the classwork page if you were creating a new class. Well, that is no longer the case. You cannot opt out of the classwork page. So you'll see a little, you know, pop up that tells you down at the bottom that you can no longer remove it. It's not a big deal, but if you've been hanging on to the old way of things, um, you're missing out on some great features, first of all. But second, it's going to be discontinued. And it actually, as of recording now, has already been officially discontinued as of September. September 4th. So another feature that we're seeing in Google Classroom is one that that I know that a lot of us have been looking forward to because with a lot of the tasks that we do when it comes to collecting work through Google Classroom and then grading it and returning it, a lot of it can get really, really repetitive. You know, the same stuff over and over and over again. We think, man, there's got to be a way to make this more efficient. And so now we've got Google Assignments which um, Google is calling your new grading companion. And so it gives you a variety of different features that, that, that will kind of make your, make your work a little bit more streamlined. And I think probably one of the ones that, that impresses me the most is that we've got this comment bank. And I know um, some of us have been using some hacks to try to do something like this uh, for instance, I know some teachers have used uh, Google Keep and have used little checklists in Google Keep uh, so that they can copy over comments and paste them in uh, to a student's you know, document or slide presentation or whatever um, to do this. But now, now with uh, assignments, now we're able to, instead of typing that same feedback over and over again, we're able to use the comment bank, which is just a little sidebar off to the right. And what we can do is we can add a comment to student work in docs. And then the comment bank is just right there along the side. And instead of having to type that comment over and over and over again, now we can just click on the comment bank and we can, um, we can bring that over. It also allows you to to start to type a single word and then it'll search through all of your comments so that you can see which one fits. So we've got that, um, you know, we've got the ability to assi- assign files um, with the option to send each student a copy. Um, you know, so there's there's just a wide variety of other features um, that, that are coming with this assignments feature. And, you know, I feel like they should have named this something differently because when the K-12 community sees us, we think that this is Google Classroom. And Google Assignments is actually this whole other little piece that they've developed. And I kind of think they've developed it for higher ed where it sort of started. And it works a lot like the features we already have in Google Classroom. And Google Assignments is still technically in beta, you can still use it. Just um, if you look at it, you'll see that they've taken that gradebook workflow that Matt was referring to and applied it. And I 
I, the way I see this, and of course, if anybody's using this, I, I would really like to know, but I kind of see it as an add-on to some of the other LMS systems that may be used in higher education so that you can still use those those Google features that are built in. And, you know, if you're still using, I don't know, what do they use now? Blackboard, Moodle, I don't know what, what they're still using in higher education, but to have that connection back to those Google assignments. And I think that's, I think that's where they're going with. I, I may be wrong, but it, it, that's sort of how how I have seen this. And I didn't want anybody to get too confused. Of course, we're still talking about stuff that's in beta. And if you don't want to test anything, ignore what we're saying right now. But the other thing that's really cool that's going to work in Google Classroom and this assignments beta is originality reports. And that's something that teachers have been asking for for years. And what that means is you're going to have a plagiarism checker built into your docs grading. And so they say that it's technically available for Google Classroom and Google Assignments. And that's when you're grading something in docs is my my understanding of how this is going to work. So what they're giving us is this new originality report system that's going to scan that student work across billions of web pages and books and give you this report that tells you what percentage of this is original work. And, you know, that's typical of how most plagiarism checkers work as a former writing teacher. This is huge for me. This is something that teachers just struggle with. And we all know that it, cheating is so rampant and so easy with so many things that are available online. So being able to keep a handle on that is is pretty difficult. So if you're interested in learning more about that or any of the things that we've talked about, you can, of course, explore this at the G Suite Updates blog or go to our show notes where we'll have links to everything at googleteachertribe.com slash 90. All right, so let's switch gears just a little bit from Google Classroom to some of the tools that we'll use when we're turning things into Google Classroom, like Google Docs, for instance. So we have this new feature called Compare Documents, and here's what Compare Documents does. Basically, what it will do is once you open up a document, you can go straight up to the Tools menu and hit Compare Documents, and then go find another document that you want to compare it to. So for instance, if we have... A, a rough draft open on the screen. You can go to tools, compare documents, and then you can go open the final draft. Um, that is assuming that you've got both of those in separate documents. And then what Google Docs will do is it will flag or highlight all of the changes, all of the differences between the two. So if you've got two versions of the same document saved as different documents, then um, this is going to help you to be able to see the differences between the two. And um, Casey and I were talking about this a little bit, and I'm thinking this sounds an awful lot like revision history, you know, where you're able to go into the revisions, and if you don't have them as separate versions, but you do have them as separate revisions. Did you get the difference there? Like if they're not two separate documents, but they're all just different revisions of the same document, I kind of feel like that would be the same thing. So I'm going to be really curious to see how people use this in the classroom and if you think that this is a worthwhile feature or not. But Casey, we were talking about there There are several places that we could potentially use this, right? Yeah. So I and it, it's a little bit different from when I was reading it versus trying to use it. 
And going into the tools section and compare documents where you're comparing the document you're in, and then you go search your drive to find another document. And so I was thinking as a writing teacher, whether I would be having my students save the different versions of their writing in version history. So you can name those versions and you could use, you know, that to track some of the changes. But also sometimes it gets really difficult as a writing teacher to look at two different versions of the same essay and see what they changed. And we remember doing this with two papers and staring at it and trying to figure out if my kids just wrote with, you know, a bigger, (laughs) bigger handwriting that day, trying to make it look longer or whatever the differences were. I mean, it, it really was hard. And so looking at this, it also makes me think about, I guess, you know, even with that originality report, but the ability to go in and see, oh, I just read two student essays that seem very similar. What if I want to pull these together and compare? And if I see enough similarities between those two, then I'm going to know somebody cheated. Somebody was copying off of one or the other. Or maybe I had the sibling the year before. I'm like, I read this last year. Uh, I was even asking Matt, too, with Spanish. just like, what if there, you know, there's this correct way that they were supposed to write something in Spanish? Could you use it as a key? Could you have the correct way and then compare it with what the student turned in to see where they went wrong and maybe save you some time from just having to go in and edit? I don't know. I'm very curious to see how teachers are using this because I think it is going to be powerful. I think we just haven't tapped that power just yet. Yeah, yeah. Now, going back over these last two things we've talked about, we talked about originality reports, which is kind of like your plagiarism checker. And then you've got compared documents. Um, You know, I think that these are both handy features to have and to have in your back pocket in case you need them. Now, what my hope is, is that with these in our back pocket, we don't use these as tools to beat students over the head all the time. Like this doesn't become our main feature that we use the most. Like I'm going to go in and make sure that they didn't plagiarize with originality reports. And I'm going to go check and make sure that they haven't you know, copied somebody. And if they haven't done either of those things, then okay, we're good. Because there's so much brilliance that can come out of students' work that gets missed by these features. And so what my hope is, is that as we get more and more of these, that our job as teachers doesn't become, oh, this is much more efficient because I can do plagiarism checking and then I can, you know, just be done. I hope that we still keep our eyes on the prize of helping kids to do good, solid writing and to do creative work and to praise them for the work that they're doing instead of just beating them over the head with the gotchas, you know? So I hope that we maintain that balance as we continue to get more and more of these tools. So we've had a lot of updates. We have tons of updates throughout the year. And I think that's one of the reasons that people like listening to the Google Teacher Tribe podcast is we try to keep you up to date. And Google tells us things are coming soon. It's in beta. And usually they follow through. (laughs) With one big exception that Casey found out the hard way. So back in April... (laughs) Back in April, we got the big news that we were going to be able to insert audio in Google Slides. And I jumped all over it. I wrote a blog post. I made a YouTube tutorial. And everybody's like chomping at the bit to get it. And you know what? (laughs) It didn't completely roll out. Some people have it. Some people don't. There is no rhyme or reason. It has been a much needed feature. But for whatever reason, Google posted back in July, we've paused the roll 
rollout <laughs> paused. So I, I've never seen Google actually say they paused anything before either, but it says, while we work to improve performance, we apologize for the delay and inconvenience. So when you see my blog post, it's just a post that's still being shared. A lot of people do have access to this in your personal account. So just as a quick tip, because I actually did this in some of my summer presentations, I shared it with my personal account, I added the audio and then went back to the other account and I could play the audio. So um, if if you're still looking for that, I know you want it. You want it really bad. I promise you it's it's not my fault. <laughs> so I feel like I'm being held responsible for pressing pause. I don't work for Google. I'm just trying to help. So anyway, I just wanted to give you that quick update. See, Casey, you see what happens. You see, you, you go and you do something nice. My, my, my wife's aunt has this saying, she says, no good deed goes unpunished. <laughs> Doesn't that feel true? Like you went out there and you you took the bull by the horns and you got all this oh, yeah. stuff done oh, and yeah. here we go. So and so. and you know what's funny is a lot of people don't even realize like when you post something on Twitter that you're talking to a real person they're like I don't have it. It just like I'm sorry. Here's the directions when you do. Yeah. You know what? They're probably going to change it. Yeah. Right. And can't you just get on the Google phone and just make things like this happen? I think that's another that's another thing that people just assume. It's like, hey, don't you have connections with Google? Don't you work for Google? Um, no, sorry. I'm just a person. <laughs> so, okay, let's move on to yet another one. We touched a little bit on a change to docs. We touched on a change to slides that we hope is still going to be rolled out. So now let's touch on forms real quick. Um so I know a lot of teachers will use forms for uh, quick formative assessments, for quizzes, for tests, that kind of thing. Now, if you've got another form and you want to be able to borrow a question from that other form and put it into your new form, there have been some ways to do it, but there have not been easy ways to do it. Like you could have opened that other form up and you could have copied and pasted and copied and pasted, or you could have duplicated that other form and then deleted out all the questions you don't need, but just hung on to the ones that you did. Um, all of which are kind of a hassle. So forms now has this really cool feature where if you want to pull questions from previously existing forms into a new Google form, you can. So here's how it works. Basically what you do is you um, open up a brand new Google form. And then on the right side, you're going to select import questions. And after you've done that in the dialog box, you get to pick the form that you want to import them from. So for instance, if you were doing a test at the end of a unit and you had a quiz with a couple of questions that you wanted to borrow, you could come over here to import questions. You could pull up you could select that quiz and then decide which of the questions you want to pull in and it'll pull it right into that unit test. And so being able to do this, it's going to really speed up, I think, especially those more summative uh, assessments where we're, you know, where we're testing kids at the end of a unit or at the end of a chapter um, where we can pull some of those things that we've already used. Pretty cool feature. Yeah, that's great. A lot of teachers are going to be happy about that one. I have one last thing that I want to mention, and we sort of talked about this earlier in the year when it was rolling out, but I think this is a page that's going to become more important to you. In Google Drive, you now have this priority page. And 
I'm I'm already kind of forgetting to look for it. Like I notice them like, why is there this new thing in front of my drive? But when you click on priority, it's actually pretty handy. You're going to get the new workspaces. So that's going to allow you to quickly organize and access those files that you use the most. You're going to see your most recent and most frequently used documents up at the top. And you'll be able to see some of the comments and other types of um interactions you've had with other people in collaborative documents. So it's sort of like a one-stop shop for Google Drive. It's going to give you that quick access to the most important things, or at least what Google is interpreting. And again, I think the more you use it, the smarter it's going to be and be able to help you work more efficiently and hopefully save some time along the way. And we all need to save some time. So I thought that was a great little tip just to round out the day. So if you haven't clicked on that priority page in your drive, check it out. And of course, if you want to see any of the stuff, we talked about a lot of stuff today, Matt, we have all of the links to all Mm -hmm. of the details in our show notes at googleteachertribe.com slash 90. All right, Tribe. So usually this is the point in the episode where we jump into the mailbag. And since the mailbag has kind of been closed up over the summer, we're going to put a call out to you. Do you have questions? Do you have ideas? Do you have something that's working for you that you want to share? Do you have an example of some of the updates that we just talked about in this episode that you can tell us about um, from your perspective? This is the kind of stuff that we want to hear from you And we want to hear it in your own voice, in your own words. So if you head over to googleteachertribe.com, we would love for you to record us a voice message. And this is the part of the show where we would love to be able to share that. So anything you've got for us, anything to contribute, any questions that you've got, we would love to hear them. So... As we wrap this episode up, I do have one quick blog post that I wanted to share with you um, that I published recently. It's called Three Easy Strategies to Organize Your Google Classroom. Because I know for so many of us, we feel like our Google Classroom and our Google Drive and all of that is a hot mess. And uh, thankfully, we've got the um, we've got the topics feature within the classroom work page that can help us keep things a little bit more organized. And so as you're setting things up here at the beginning of the year, if you're looking for a couple of strategies that you can use to make that topics feature work the best for you, I've got a handful of different ideas. Of course, we've got some screenshots so you can see the way that that all might look. So um, there is a link to that in our show notes that you can go check out. Awesome. And I have a couple of things to share. I think we have hit on a theme of Google Classroom today. So I just released a a new Shake Up Learning Show episode that's all about Google Classroom tips that you didn't know. And hopefully there are a few that those, you know, super users that we have listening today don't know about yet. So if you want to check that out, the link's in our show notes. I'm also launching our fall book study on September. 26. It's completely free. So if you would like to jump in and read the Shake Up Learning book and interact with some other educators online, be sure that you check that out.
I think that puts a bow on this first episode back into season four. Episode 90 is complete. So again, we're looking forward to hearing from you. Also, uh, be sure to interact with us out there on Twitter using the GT Tribe hashtag. I know Casey and I have been sharing some stuff to that all throughout the summer, and we would love to get things going there. So we're looking forward to seeing you there, hearing your voice, and hearing and seeing you on this next episode of the Google Teacher Tribe podcast. Bye, y'all. Thanks for listening to the Google Teacher Tribe podcast. Keep up with every new episode by subscribing on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher, and by visiting googleteachertribe.com. Get in on the conversation on Twitter by using the hashtag GTTribe. Until next time, keep harnessing the G Suite power, and may the Googles be with you. Thank you once again for listening to the Google Teacher Podcast Archive. For the latest on Matt Miller, be sure to visit his website, ditchthattextbook.com. For the latest on Casey Bell, be sure to visit her website, shakeuplearning.com. And to keep up with me and get the latest in education technology, be sure to visit my website, chrisnessy.com. And I invite you to listen to the House of EdTech Podcast.